right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Exodus. Now, the last time we were here in chapter seven, we saw where God had commanded Moses to appear before Pharaoh for the second time. And God had anticipated, if you allow me to use that word, because we know that God knows all things. But nevertheless, God knew that Pharaoh would ask for a sign and that that was basically to authenticate the message of Moses and the person of Moses is God, that the God that Moses was speaking about, Yahweh indeed was God. And therefore, Pharaoh should listen or take heed to this God and let Israel go. But nevertheless, he asked for a sign miracle. And that sign miracle was the turning of Aaron's rod into a serpent. And this proved by the turning of the rod into the serpent, as well as, and let me say it this way, Pharaoh's magicians, priestly servants also were able to duplicate this same particular miracle. However, even though they themselves took their rods and made serpents into it, which they did by the power of Satan, they did this by the power of Satan. Nevertheless, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rod, which was an indication that the power of Moses' God is greater than the power of the gods of the Egyptians. And all throughout what we will see is in these plagues, this will be the basic principle foundation of how God is striking the Egyptians, showing that he, Yahweh, alone is God and that the gods of the Egyptians are no gods. They are basically idols. Okay. So he gave him that first sign miracle. And then of course he did not take heed to that. God began the first of the plagues, which was turning the waters of the river of Egypt. That is basically the Nile and not only just the Nile, but all waters in Egypt into blood and this. And remember what is important to understand that this particular time was, it was the time in which the banks would normally overflow. And remember, it is the overflowing of the banks of the Nile that produces great fertility. But when the Nile was turned into blood, this devastated the agriculture of Egypt at this time. OK, and that's what you need to see as well as God is moving on these plagues uh, upon the Egyptians. It is not simply affecting the Pharaoh and his servants. Think on a national economy. Egypt is a large nation at this time, the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And so therefore Egypt is being devastated by these plagues as it's hitting the nation as a whole. Okay. So the waters were turned into blood and this began the first of those particular plagues. All right. Now, with all of that, we're going to move into chapter eight and we will continue on with the plagues. And remember what we said too. now, as the plagues do continue, there is an intensification for each of the plagues. All right. Chapter eight. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, Behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed, into the houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens 
and into your kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you and your people and all your servants. Let's start there. Okay. So now the next plague that we talk about is frogs. And so once again, the Lord tells Moses to confront Pharaoh and give him the command from the Lord to let the people go. And if the Pharaoh should refuse this time, the Lord will send up frogs. And so from the now, now there is a relationship between the waters being turned into blood uh, that the previous plague and this particular plague. Okay. And that relationship is this. When the waters were turned into blood, this was during the time when the Nile would overflow. Remember, we talked about all the things that would result when the Nile would turn into blood. The fish would die. The waters that would normally overflow the Nile and produce those fertile crescents, that's now a mess. And so the, the fertility of the land is not produced as normally. Okay. Now, as we get into this particular plague concerning the frogs, when the Nile would recede, uh, this comes when the Nile would recede. And that's when this fertility, they, they could um, experience the fertility as the waters pull back. So when the waters would pull back, there would normally be, now notice what I said, normally be the appearance of frogs and the people would enjoy they would like the appearances of the frogs because it was an indication that the Nile had receded and that the time for planting and agriculture would be good. Because remember, as the Nile receded, the banks would be fertile, but the banks are no longer fertile because the water would turn into blood. And so even now, notice that intensification, the water is now being receded once again, the people thinking that this would be a pleasurable time by seeing the appearance of the frogs indicating that this is fertile time. Notice God uses that frog thing to say, now I'm going to plague the people even more by what they normally would enjoy the appearance of the frogs. And so the frogs would come from forth from the Nile and the frogs, and remember, the people normally would be glad to see it, but the frogs would, let me slow it down. The frogs would normally simply be surrounding the Nile. So they, it was fine to see the appearance of the frogs, but they would basically be contained around the Nile. But instead of the frogs being contained around the Nile, that's what God is saying in verse number three. The frogs would be in their homes, in their bedrooms, on their beds, and even on the people themselves. So there is a huge multiplicity of frogs and the frogs have become an extreme, will become an extreme nuisance to the people. So that which gave them joy now gives them absolute dreads and even into their ovens and their kneading boat, their cooking utensils. Frogs will <laughs> everywhere. Frogs, 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 frogs. And so, that's the prediction that God is telling Moses to give to Pharaoh if he refuses to let them go. All right. So now let's continue <clears throat> verse number five and see the enactment of these things. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the streams, over the pools 
and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. The magicians did the same with their secret arts, making frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Okay. And so basically all we have is the enactment. And so now Moses tells Aaron to stretch out his rod. Now this is the rod of Aaron. Remember we said sometimes it's the rod of Aaron used, which seems to be the majority of the cases. And a couple of times the rod of Moses will be actually used. And sometimes no rod would be used at all. But here the rod of Aaron is used. Aaron obeys the commandment of the Lord and frogs seem to, they don't seem, they actually appear all over the land of Egypt. And then we also see that, remember, as we talked about this earlier in the previous chapter, chapter seven, how that the Egyptian priests and their magicians were able to duplicate the miracle of Mo miracles of Moses. And this is another miracle of Moses that they were able to duplicate by the power of Satan. And you'll have to go and see the video that I made on chapter seven if you have not seen that where I can talk about that more extensively. But nevertheless, through the power of Satan, these magicians were also able to duplicate this miracle as well. But once again, this is ridiculous because the frogs are a nuisance. If you want to do anything, you don't want to add more frogs. You want to remove the frogs that are there, which brings us to another principle Although Satan can duplicate some of the miracles of God, he can never remove anything that God has caused to happen. So in all of these judgments that are coming upon Egypt, that some of the magicians are able to duplicate, they can't remove them. And so common sense would simply say, remove them. But nevertheless, the magicians aren't acting with common sense. They're in this competition with Moses. So they're saying anything that your God can do, we can do and probably thinking we can do it better. <clears throat> but nevertheless, the frogs became a nuisance over the land. All right. Now concerning this thing about the frogs, remember that each time that the plagues are striking Egypt, it is striking against the idolatrous gods of Egypt. So the God of Egypt that, that the Lord is striking here is the God Hecate. And now Hecate was a, a, a female deity. She was a female deity, uh, the wife of Kunam, I believe it was. She is the wife of Kunam. And it is simply said concerning Hecate that the bodies that Kunam created the physical human bodies that Kunam created, Hecate breathed into those bodies the breath of life and they became living beings. And so Hecate was this deity, an Egyptian false god that had the head of a frog and the body of a woman. So it was, she was associated with a God of fertility. And so this is the God that the Egyptian idol God that God is striking Hecate. Okay. And so he is simply saying, of course, in all of these judgments that the God of Egypt is no God. Hecate is no God. Yahweh 
alone is God. All right. Continuing verse number eight. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord that he may remove the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, the honor is yours to tell me when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs may be destroyed from you and your houses that they may be left only in the Nile. Then he said tomorrow. So he said, may it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord, our God. The frogs will depart from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They will be left only in the Nile. Now, let's stop here. <clears throat> so now the frogs have become an absolute nuisance all over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh, sick and tired of the frogs, calls for Moses and Aaron and simply says, entreat the Lord to remove them. Here is the awareness of the Pharaoh that the Lord, he, he begin, he's beginning to accept clearly that it is the Lord who has caused these frogs to appear. And so he says to Moses and Aaron, pray to the Lord and ask him to remove the frogs. And so Moses says to Pharaoh, I tell you what, have glory over me. The honor is yours. You tell me when you want the frogs to be gone. So now all of this is particular. This is happening for a reason. Moses is telling him, set the time. And so Pharaoh sets the time to say, OK, fine. Tomorrow. The reason why this is important is because it is showing that this incident, this this frogs coming up out of the Nile and the waters is not an incident. OK, let me make you understand it. Remember, the waters of the Nile will turn to blood. All right. And so therefore the Nile stank. The fish died. You can understand maybe the frogs coming out of the Nile and, and, and to escape the blood thing. So what Moses is doing here, what we see is number one, because of the increase of the frogs, they are every, they weren't just simply around the Nile. They were everywhere and upon people. That's number one to let you know that this is a supernatural event caused by God. But by the setting of time right here, and this is what we're having right here, you set the time and the Pharaoh said, notice he didn't say now, he said, make it, make them go away tomorrow. So therefore, if the frogs all died out tomorrow, this exact time tomorrow, this is proof positive. This is the Lord of the Hebrews. And that's why Moses said to him, fine, you want it to be going tomorrow? It will be tomorrow. Why? So that you will know that there is no other God like the Lord, our God, the God of the Hebrews. Your God, Hecate, is not God. Our God is God, okay? As well as Hopi, who is also the God of the Nile. But nevertheless, so he set that particular time to give solid proof that indeed this was done not by an incident, but by the power of the God of the Hebrews. Verse 12, then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh 
And Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had inflicted upon Pharaoh. The Lord did according to the word of Moses and the frogs died out of the houses, the courts and the fields. So they piled them in heaps and the land became foul. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Okay, fine. So now what happened? Here's the response. <clears throat> so Moses and Aaron departed from Pharaoh. They go and pray unto the Lord to remove the frogs according to the timetable that Pharaoh had set and Moses had agreed to. And so like clockwork, all the frogs died the next day. And the frogs were so numerous. Remember, we just talked about how numerous the frogs were. They began to pile the frogs in great heaps all over the land of Egypt. And with all those dead bodies of frogs, it caused the whole. Now, again, it's, it's, it is unimaginable. I cannot imagine this. You know, normally we can go from one place to another and say, for instance, in this place, something may be going on and there's a stink. And then we go on down the road or to another place and the air kind of clears up. Imagine this on the national scale. Heaps of frogs are everywhere and the whole nation stinks. Can you, I can't imagine a whole country is Thinking. I just can't imagine that. But that's the situation that we have. But nevertheless, even though it stinks a great deal, they have relief from the frogs. And once the Pharaoh sees that the frogs are now dead and gone, he hardens his heart. He hardens his heart. In other words, remember, the whole point is let Israel go. He said, well, they, the frogs are gone. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't going to let them go. <laughs> And so because he had agreed earlier that he would let the people go. And this is the idea that, okay, fine. I'll let the people go. You remove the frogs. You, you do that. But the Pharaoh has lied. And this sets a course for the next plague that is coming upon Egypt. It is dealing with the Pharaoh's lie. He doesn't let the people go although Moses removed the frogs and this sets us for the next event. Verse number 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth that it may become gnats through all the land of Egypt. They did so. And Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast all the dust of the earth became gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he did not listen to them as the Lord has said. Okay, now what we see here is this. This is a result of Pharaoh's action, or should we say his inaction, in dealing with the frog events. Remember, I take away the frogs, you let Israel go. Pharaoh didn't let them go. So, therefore, when the gnats were brought about, 
Moses and Aaron did not go before Pharaoh and say, thus saith the Lord. This is the Lord striking Pharaoh and Egypt because he reneged on his word. Because he lied, God struck him for lying and he struck him with these nets. So he simply says to Aaron, take your rod, and that is the rod of Aaron again in this case as well, and strike the dust. So Aaron took his rod and struck the dust of Egypt. And as the dust of Egypt came, you can imagine, hit the ground, dust fly from the ground. As dust flies from the ground, imagine all of a sudden gnats just rising up, not just from where Aaron struck, but from all over Egypt. And, it, and, and again, you have to see this in the national scale. This is not just in Memphis or Thebes or some great city in Egypt. And there were many great cities of Egypt, the nation of Egypt. Okay. And that's going everywhere. And the idea of these nets, we could be like mosquitoes possibly or biting nets. So they appeared over all of Egypt and they were up on everybody in the land, everybody in the land of Egypt, these hordes and hordes of inescapable nets in And that's the point. There is nowhere you can go that, to find relief. There is nothing you can do to get relief. You're just constantly batting and swatting nets and biting you all over the place. Okay. And so they were on man as well as all of the animals. And so, and so then, again, remember the contest, the competition in the mind of the magicians of Pharaoh. They came and tried to do the same thing. But this time, and it is at this particular plague and everyone thereafter, they could not do it. In other words, here, go, here again is the principle that we see. Satan can duplicate the miracles of God, the power of God. Only to a certain extent, Satan does not have the power of God. He is not equal with God. You know, sometimes we see people like to play it out. Yeah, you see it on TV. There is good and there is evil and that is like God and the devil and God has power and the devil has the same amount of power. It's just both of them fighting against each other to try to overcome one another, but neither one can overcome because they both have the same amount of power. Not true. And this is never in the scripture. Satan can duplicate only to a certain degree but he does not have nearly the power of God. And this is our first indication here in the plagues of Egypt where Satan, and, and from now on, he cannot duplicate the miracles. And so the magicians themselves say to Pharaoh, indeed, this is the finger of God. So this becomes, okay, po again, proof positive. Remember the whole point of God coming, to, coming unto Pharaoh and doing these particular miracles so that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, that I alone am God. So now in this particular miracle, the magicians themselves are witnessing to the Pharaoh that their God is God. Okay. And so that's the point, but nevertheless, 
Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he did not listen. Now, the uh, the God, oh, let, let's talk about the priest, the priestly caste. The priest of uh, uh, the magicians, when they said talk about the priest, we're talking about the magicians of Egypt. In order to be priests, they were they, they were obsessed with cleanliness. They would bathe several times a day. They wear their clothes uh, very clean. Certain clothes they would wear very clean. They would shave all the hair off their head and, and all the hair off all the hair off their bodies, including their eyebrows, their mustache, their bit no hair on their bodies whatsoever in their obsession with cleanliness. So we can see these particular gnats being aimed also at the priestly. Remember the priestly, they enabled Egypt to worship all of these idol gods. They supported these things and they were themselves were the worshipers of all of these pantheons of idol gods. So we can see the attack of God. That is the God of Moses upon these Egyptian idolatrous priests as the nets troubled them, especially in their cleanliness and the, and the shaving and all of that. And so we can see this was a, an attack against them, but also it was an attack against set and set was the God, the Egyptian idolatrous God, the God of the desert, the God of the desert. Okay. All right. So this was, this particular miracle. Now let's move on to the next plague. Verse number 20. Now the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh. Behold, as he comes out to the water and say to him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you do not let my people go, Behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and on your people into your houses and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they dwell. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living so that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign will occur. Okay, now we move into the second set. And remember, all of the plagues were in three sets of threes. And we have just dealt with the first set of threes. That is the water into blood, the frogs, and then we have the nets. Now we move into the second set. And as, and as we are moving with each plague now, remember, as I told you earlier, there is intensification. It's getting worse and worse. And do not forget that when these plagues hit, they hit the, again, the unbelievable thing, the whole country at one time, okay? So now we move into the second set. And in this second set, it talks about the swarm of flies and notice it says to Moses. And, and this is always an indication of each set. When God says to Moses, this indicates the set go to Pharaoh in the morning 
go out to meet him in the morning. It says, behold, he is out there at the waters again. And that is he's by the waters of the Nile. So what this indicates is Pharaoh is again acting in some form of a custom as he is going to the Nile to perform some idolatrous custom. And so he tells him to go to Pharaoh and again, give him the command from God to let the Israelite slaves go. And if they refused to go, he would send swarms of flies upon all the people of the Egyptians. Now, let me say this too, where it is translated swarm of flies. Actually, the Hebrew word that is used basically means swarms of insects. So it is not simply flies, but all kinds of insects. So it just insects will swarm Egypt and swamp Egypt as a whole and be upon the houses, upon the people and everywhere in Egypt. Okay. But then in verse number 22, God says that he will make a distinction with Goshen and the rest of Egypt. What you have to remember is all of the Israelites were in Goshen. Remember that this is where they came initially when Jacob first came into the land of Egypt in the book of Genesis chapter 46. And thereafter they came and they were placed in the land of Goshen because they were shepherds and shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptian. And this will play a role later on in the plague events. All right. So the, so the Israelites were in the land of Goshen, all of them. And here's where God begins to first make a separation in the plagues. And so one of the reasons, so let me talk about that. So the plague of the swarm of swarms, swarm of insects will be only upon the Egyptians, but it will not touch the Israelites. So this let, this is further proof by making a division, make it so that it'll only be isolated to the Egyptian. This is showing the control of God over all things, showing his sovereign power. He can control to whom things happen and where they strike. Okay. By separating Goshen, and the rest of Egypt. And so this is what he means by this. You will know that the Lord is God and that he is in the midst of the land. All right. So this is what it means. Proof positive that this is done by the God of Hebrews. Also, this allows us to understand what the first three plagues that hit Egypt also hit the Israelites as well. It is, it is a common misunderstanding that all the plagues only hit the Egyptians and never hit the Israelites. That's not true. The first three plagues, all Egyptians as well as the Israelites suffered as well. So the Israelites suffered the first three plagues, but the fourth plague and continuing, continuing on. The Israelites will no longer suffer the plagues, but they did suffer the plagues. Now, let me make a short, a brief comment on that. You, you ask, well, why did God allow the Israelites to suffer in the first three plagues? And I believe this is done clearly so that there won't be any assumptions by the Hebrews themselves. They need to know 
that their God indeed is God. And they need to also know and understand to fear their God. So Israel need to know that their God alone is God. And they also need to understand you need to fear your own God and that the God of the Hebrew, I'm sorry, the God of the Egyptians are no gods at all. You shall therefore fear Yahweh, your God and fear him alone. And this is a point that needed to be driven into the hearts of the Israelites themselves. And so therefore God allowed them to suffer uh, the plagues, the, the results of the plagues of the first three plagues. But now from now on, since they have had their witness, two or three witnesses of those plagues that Yahweh is God, since they have had their witness, no further for them, but continuing for the Egyptians to break Pharaoh and to break the Egyptians. Okay. So now let's continue. And so he says, once again, remember again, it's feeding off that last time when he said to Pharaoh, you set the time for when the frogs would be removed as an indication for when something should happen at an exact time. This is proof that the words that Moses is speaking is true from God and therefore is proof that this is being done by God. So he says that these swarm of swarms will come at a set time as well tomorrow. So if the swarms hit tomorrow again, an abundance is preponderance of evidence. This is indeed Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. Okay. Verse 24. Then the Lord did so. And there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into the house of his servants. And the land was laid waste because of the swarm of flies in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. For if, for if we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. Okay, so now... As the swarm of insects has now hit Pharaoh, remember the intensification, he is now at a point where he can't stand it. So he calls back, he calls for Moses and Aaron, and he simply, he wants them, get rid of them. Why? Because all the land of Egypt has been laid waste. And see, don't take this part lightly. Remember what I told you. In the plague that God brings upon Egypt, God is when God is through with Egypt, Egypt, the most powerful nation on the planet at this time is destroyed. Her fisheries is destroyed. Her people have been plagued to death. Her land and agriculture is destroyed. And all of her pantheon of gods are now destroyed. When God get through with Egypt, 
Egypt will be completely destroyed and will be brought into a nation without great power. Her power, oh, Egypt has power over the nation, has power over the other areas. They are under the control of Egypt. Egypt is so depleted that her international, if you let me use that term, powers will be destroyed, but I'm premature at this time. But that's what you'll find out as we move into the book of Numbers and we move into the book of Judges, how the power of Egypt has been absolutely diminished. Egypt is no longer the great power anymore, not because Egypt has simply diminished in power. No, God has destroyed the power of Egypt. But anyway, anyway, so what happens? So now because of the swarm of flies, he calls to Moses and Aaron, and now he begins to try to compromise. He's just rump getting tore out the frame. He, he said, okay, fine, go and sacrifice to the Lord your God, but do it in the land of Goshen. In other words, don't leave Egypt, but I am permitting you to serve the Lord your God. And, and so Moses responds and says, no, that is not acceptable. Why? Because remember what I just told you earlier about one of the reasons why the Israelites were settled in the land of Goshen in the first place, because they were shepherds, keepers of sheep, and they were, cons and that is considered to be an abomination to the Egyptian. So, and in the in the worship of Yahweh, in the worship of God, the Israelite worship of their God, they would set the part of the primary part of worship. Primary is the sacrifice of animals. And they would basically sacrifice the sheep and the goat as well as the bulls. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Bulls and calves. And the sacrifice of these animals, which would be an abomination to the Egyptians. And not so. That, so that's with the sheeps and the goats and things, but also concerning the sacrifice of bulls and goats. This was also a part of Israeli, the uh, Jewish sacri sacrificing. Okay. But the Jew, I'm sorry, to the Egyptians, the bulls, as well as uh, 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 the female calves were considered to be sacred animals. And I forgot to tell you guys as well too, concerning the frogs, uh, uh, the plague of the frogs, the frogs were also considered to be sacred animals. And because these are all sacred animals, the frogs that we spoke of earlier, and even the bulls and goats that would be sacrificed by the Israelites, you cannot kill these animals. So if the Egyptians saw you killing a sacred animal, they would rise up themselves and kill the Israelites. That's why Moses said, no, 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 we cannot sacrifice in the land. If the Egyptians saw us, first of all, sheep are abomination to them. And then if they saw us sacrificing any of their sacred animals, they would rise up and stone us. No, we cannot stay in the land. We must go away from Goshen, a three days journey outside of Egypt. And that's what we have to do. Okay. And so that's what he was talking about in those particular events. All right. So verse number 28, Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord, your God in the wilderness only 
you shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. Then Moses said, behold, I am going out from you and I shall make supplication to the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow. Only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not even one remained. Amazing, but I'm going to keep reading. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and he did not let the people go. Okay, so now let's look at the response of Pharaoh. So when Moses tells him, we got to leave Egypt to sacrifice or they'll stone us. So Pharaoh says, okay, fine. I'll let you go and let you sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. And once again, he said, but don't go very far. So remember, Moses said we must go a three days journey. Pharaoh, he's getting his butt kicked. God is kicking his butt. And so he begins to say to Moses, he said, OK, I don't want you to go three days journey, but you can leave Egypt. Just don't go very far. Moses accepts this compromise not to go three days as far as he was going to Egypt. And of course, this is with the approval of God. So Moses understands this. And so they make an agreement. You get rid of all of these swarms of insects and you can go, just don't go too far. And then he tells Moses to make supplication. And all he's simply saying is pray to your God to remove the flies. And so Moses, once again, he gives proof positive that this is done by the sovereign hand of God by saying, they'll be removed on tomorrow. So if the flies disappear tomorrow, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, this was done by God and removed by God. Okay. And so he left Pharaoh. He entreats the Lord to remove the flies. And so the Lord removes all of the flies until that point. He says, not even one single swarm of insect was left. I cannot imagine that, but just try to Turn on the theater of your mind and see uh, the previous day, the swarm of insects everywhere and people fighting and, and hitting and biting on the cattle, just everywhere, just everywhere, inescapable, in your home, in the palaces, in the courtyard, in the idolatrous temples of Egypt, swarms and swarms everywhere. And all of a sudden Moses goes into the Pharaoh and he says tomorrow and then tomorrow come and all of a sudden, boom, and the air is absolutely clear. Not that's what it says. Not one remain. And all of a sudden you're like, what? They're all gone. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, this is the true God, the God of Moses, the God of the Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You know this, you know this, but nevertheless, what happened? The Pharaoh dealt deceitfully with Moses and what he hardened 
his heart. And notice, and that's what Moses told the Pharaoh. He said, don't deal. He said, now once these swarm is gone, don't you deal deceitfully. Don't tell a lie again because the Pharaoh is considered to be a God himself. He is supposed to be the very paragon of justice and righteousness and ethics. So this is the Pharaoh. That's what he's supposed to be. And here Moses is reproving the Pharaoh saying, now don't tell another lie like you did the last time with the frog events. When you, when, when you said you would let the people go and you didn't let them go. Don't lie again. But guess what the Pharaoh did? He lied again. And notice again, Verse number 32, as we talked about earlier in the introduction, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So again, notice in all of these events that we see taking place in a number of them, sometimes God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes Pharaoh's hardened his own heart. And in the events that we have been seeing thus far, it is simply said two things, basically. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, kind of left it unclear whether it was God or Pharaoh, but here clearly Pharaoh hardens his own heart. In other words, out of all that God is doing in striking the land of Egypt, showing himself to be God and striking the, all these gods of Egypt, Pharaoh is still resisting God. And this justifies God to destroy Pharaoh to destroy Egypt. Why? Because they will not hear. Okay. Finally, let's talk about this last, this swarm of swarm. Who is this uh, against? Now this seems to be against a number of God, the God you get, the God you get and the God raw. And this seems to be a strike against you get as well as raw. All right, guys, thanks for joining me with that as God is destroying the pantheon of Egyptian God. And join me next time as we move into chapter nine, as God continues the plagues of Egypt. And remember, there will be an intensification. Things will become worse and worse as the hand of God presses upon Egypt to destroy the land of Egypt. All right, guys, see you next time.